And welcome to the second installment of Beyond the Vanilla Bean. I am your host, Kay, and this... And I am your host, Gray. And today, we're going to start a new series uh, about vocabulary in the, within a BDSM context. And today's series is going to focus on relationship terminology, so different types of relationships within BDSM so the topics that we cover today are going to be anchor points for our guests who come in uh, over the next few weeks to help us round out this first season. This first season, we really want to give you a survey of the basic terms and relationships and kinks that you need to be familiar with if you're wading into this world. And then we'll go into deeper topics in uh, succeeding episodes and next seasons. But for today, we're talking about the basic relationships that you will find in kink and in BDSM. My name is Kay, and I've been involved in the BDSM community for the last 10 years. I am a sadist, and that means I enjoy inflicting pain. I'm also very much into causing humiliation, and I'm Gray. I've been a part of the lifestyle for about five years. I've been active as a service top and as a dom uh, for the last two years. Uh, my specialties are impact, sensation, and mindfuck. And here we are into the relationships. And Gray's going to kick it off and he's going to talk about just in the bedroom relationships. So keep in mind, if you've never been into a dungeon, if you've never dressed in leather, it does not mean you're not involved in BDSM. Anyone who wants to spice things up within their love life can enter into the relationship. To get some idea from watching The Secretary or, or uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, buy a set of handcuffs, you're diving in right then. So the first stop we're talking about is just in the bedroom. And again, that's for people who just want to spice things up within their personal love life. And they're not necessarily into jumping into a community scene. That's totally cool. You explore to your limits and that works. The next type of relationship is within top and bottom. Now, a top is a person who takes on the dominant role within a scene. Uh, generally, it's tied to a scene or a series of scenes. Uh, someone may be a top, but they're not actually considering themselves as a dominant. Um, and the same goes for a bottom. Someone can bottom for a scene. It could be someone who normally tops or is normally dominant, or it could just be someone who's normally submissive. Or it could be someone who wants to take on that role with an air of permanence. It can also be someone who just wants to experiment with something new. The main thing exactly. with yeah. The main thing with topic and bombing is that there's no set agreement for a long term situation. There's no relationship formed that you're agreeing to be bound by. Uh, if I choose to have a scene with someone and spank them with my paddle I'm not directing their life choices. Instead, I'm giving them an experience, which is why when I'm acting in the community, I call myself a service top. I'm providing an experience, but I'm not taking a direct role within your life. I agree. 
say this in masochist is actually a completely different thing, but let's talk about it real quick. Um, Kay and I both qualify as sadists. What this means is we delight in causing you pain. The louder you really, scream. Really, 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 I really delight in it. Same. The louder you scream, the happier we are. The more you curse, the happier we are. And I will aesthetically beat your ass at any given time if you can sit to it. That's what gets me going. <laughs> now, on the other side, there is the masochist. Masochists delight in receiving that pain. Now, just because you're a masochist does not mean you receive all pain with delight. There yeah. may be certain things that you enjoy, certain things that you abhor, you cannot stand. Everyone has their limits. Also, what question? I was going to say, and just because you you may identify as a masochist, it doesn't mean that you would like to receive pain from just anybody either. You know, and with or just pain for the sake of there being pain. Um, sometimes you need some kind of. Uh, Exercising of emotion or some kind of experience, catharsis. Exactly. But some, for some people, it simply turns them on and mm -hmm. gets them going to go to the next step in the bedroom. And that's completely fine too. Whatever your motives as far as experiencing what you want to experience can be valid. Uh, you want to make sure that you're doing whatever you do in a healthy way. But if you enjoy it, if no permanent harm comes to you, I see the problems. Um, question. As a masochist, are they always necessarily a bottom, or in some ways can they be a top? Um, actually, you're bringing me to this term that I was going to mention. So there is a such thing as a sadomasochist. That is someone who is both a sadist and a masochist. They enjoy inflicting a lot of pain, but they also enjoy receiving a lot of pain. Thank you, Greg, for reading my mind. You know me so well. I was totally going there. Oh, my bad. Oh, well. Um, so then to answer your question, you're saying your question was, is a person who enjoys receiving pain necessarily always the body or could there be twisted? Hmm. Pain. 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 No, I don't think so. No. There is such thing as uh, topping from the bottom. Those of you who have seen the movie The Secretary may have noticed that after she splits initially from James Spader, uh, the main character receives several newspaper queries about people who are in BDSM. Uh, however, these are people who were demanding that they enforce humiliation upon them. Now, they may have been hoping that she would fall into the top, into the dominant role, but they were effectively topping from the bottom because these were situations where she was performing a role that was not her king. And so the person receiving the punishment in that moment was the top. And she was still the bottom, even though she delivered the experience. I agree. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so this horror list is Primal Predator slash Prey. So, um, so with Primal Play, uh, Primal Play, you're basing things off of more raw emotions and urges, stripping away that civility and getting down to the Primal Central urges. Um, it tends to be a little bit more physical. Um, the Primal Play scenes that I have witnessed or even been a part of have been very just raw and gritty, I would say. Um, you're basically stepping away from thoughts of normality and everything, and you're going based off of pure emotion and what your gut and your body is telling you to do. So you will see tackles and pushes and um, a fight for dominance, really, within primal prey um, setting. That's one where I find it interesting because there isn't a strict top uh, and a strict bottom or a strict dominant and a strict submissive uh, in some sense because there is that fight. They're having a strict contest in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's usually an assumption that one of them, usually the dominant, will you know, prevail, but it's not a lot. Exactly. I've seen scenes where the prey seem to have gotten the better of the dominant. But then there's other scenes where it's kind of like a, a, a full cycle where it's like completion, you know. The predator gets the prey and there's no doubt about it who's who's the predator and who's the prey at the end of it. Because you could see, it, and, and those scenes are really beautiful to watch as well, because it's kind of, um, it's kind of a lot of fun. Yeah, it's kind of art, like very artsy. So the, uh, the next area we're going to discuss is EGLG, which stands for Daddy Dom, Little Girl. Um, having said that, None of these roles are gender-conforming uh, or normative. Uh, no matter what your gender identity is, you can take on any of these roles that we discuss. But with NDGLG, you're talking about people who are taking on that nurturing role as a dominant, and then maybe a submissive who is taking on that more childlike role. They may have an age that they slip into in order to get into the role, to get comfortable within that, and to form that intimacy within the between that uh, between that partnership. Yeah. And within like DDLG kind of there's a subset at least that is age play. Um, I don't think that they're synonymous per se. Um, but then within age play, you have people who regress to like infancy, like small child, toddlerhood. Then there's middles and teenagers, even. Um, That's where you see a lot of people's brat side come out mm-hmm. uh, when they're going into middle or teenage uh, kind of age range. But uh, it's a place to kind of let go. And again, these are all consenting adults. So no matter what age 
your your little or your middle is, these are still consenting adults who have their own adult responsibilities in the real world. And this is something that a persona or an, or a, a feeling they slide into when they're in their most intimate time. Exactly. However, right, we're going to take a quick break and give you a uh, quick uh, community update, and we'll be back with you in just one moment. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gray. And this is how you connect to your local BDSM community. First, create an account on FetLife. It is the Facebook for kinky people. Second, set your city and state to your actual city and state. Third, click that city within the places area of FetLife. Or attend lunches and events in your local area. This has been how, how you connect, connect with, with your local BDSM community. community. Yay! Yeah! Welcome back. And now we're going to talk about owner pet relationships. So these are generally, these are generally relationships that are. I assess kind of the animal play or the animal mindset. Uh, sometimes you may walk into a dungeon and see. People on all fours with a leather mask covering that makes their head look like a dog or make their head look like a cat. Uh, you may see these individuals crawling into kennels or cages to help uh, emulate that, uh, that animalistic mindset. And uh, at the same time, you do have that dominance slash submission because that animal may be, that individual may be on a leash in that moment and may be uh, subservient to an owner who is uh, giving them treats, who is petting them, who is giving them uh, the same orders that you would give your dog who will listen to you or your cat who absolutely does not listen because cats don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, like another term within that is sometimes it's trainer pet. Um, and I've seen where uh, I've seen like pet shows where you know the trainer is putting their pet through the paces and um, you know just like you would at a dog show or at any kind of pet show where you're trying to see um, who has the most grace and comes through the best. <laughs> and um, this is so this is a question I have with regard to that that would be great for our guests when they come. 
which is that I wonder if the distinction between trainer and owner is the same as when you put a collar on a submissive. And you may have several stages of collaring to where you're moving from consideration to train to ownership. Uh, if the same process is happening within an owner slash pet. So that's something we will explore later this season. Next, let's talk about dominant and submissive. With dominant and versus submission, this is one of the primary things you see. You usually see in those first depictions of BDSM, someone who's taking a dominant role, someone who's uh, giving orders, uh, you know, exerting some influence over a life, and someone who is submitting or allowing that influence into their life. So that exercises control is the at the heart of the dominance. And um, I mean, dominance and submission within itself is a symphony. Um, there's a lot of give and there's a lot of take. Um, and in order for a dominant and submissive relationship to work out, to work out well, uh, there, there has to. You have to know that everyone's needs need to be met, and how to make it be met is kind of where all the learning happens. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's not meant to be all that groundbreaking. Keep in mind with every relationship you enter into. The idea is that your needs are met and their needs are met uh, in any relationship, whether it's vanilla or DS. And so to say that in dominance and submission, everyone's needs are met, it's, we're reinforcing the fact that this aspect of what we do is much like anything you've ever seen. Let me give you a couple of definitions. So uh, I'm going to describe a dominant and I'm going to give you a few different uh, interpretations of that word, and then I'm going to do the same for submissive. So, a dominant is a person who exercises control in contrast with a submissive. Um, a dominant is a person who's, who has power and influence, again, in relationship to a submissive. Um, and then another one is kind of commanding, controlling, and prevailing over all others, which I don't really agree with that. Uh, but just listening to those three definitions, if you kind of listen to them and think about them, you kind of get an idea of where uh, dominance lies a little bit. Like a control is a the exercise of control is very important for a dominant. Like. We're talking about dominance, and there's that fine line because, yeah, there's commanding and there's controlling and all of that, but the difference between dominance and, say, domineering mm -hmm. is that, you know, if you walk on that life, you see a lot of people who are domineering who think they are dominant, but these are people who, in their first message to you, are they're like fouled up. They're capital letters, first of all. And then they're like, you're going to do this in the and call me master 
And you best be on your knees while writing every response to me. Blah, blah, blah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we come to tell you this today. That is not dominant. That is not at all. That's domineering, but that is not dominant. Um, the key thing, though, is the consent. Yeah, you've got the control of thing. You've got the you've got the power, but you, in order to really have the power, you, the other partner has to have consented. And so, actually, it's not for your your thoughts. Just there, you don't have the power. Actually, um, you have no power until consent is given. And a dominant only has as much power as a submissive allows him to have or her to have. Uh, submission is a thing of beauty. And we'll go into that a little bit more. But, but no one has to give their submission to any given person. No dominant is entitled to submission. It is a gift. It is a trust. We'll get into submission later, but Suffice it to say, right now, it's not a given, it is a gift. And if you are trusted with that, then as a dominant, use it wisely and use it within the bounds that you're given. Exactly. Um, as a dominant, yes, you have control. Um, you have control, and the submissive seeks the control in their life if you've entered into that kind of relationship. But control can be given and it can be taken. It's the way you execute the control is what is important within the context of your, your dynamic. Um, if you are given the control where you are responsible for making sure your submissive is uh, they get to work on time and they're healthy and get to bed on time but and you take that and you're okay with it but then you start you know making unreasonable bedtimes like 5 in the afternoon when they get off work at 4.30pm well that is not a good execution of your control uh, understanding reality is a major factor in this. My submissive has a bedtime. It's not five o'clock, it's eleven o'clock. And we have a way to initiate. But it's uh now a punishment I have is I can institute an earlier bedtime. But I'm not likely to institute at five PM. I might make a good bed on a Friday night at 8 or 9. But that's as close as I'd get. Mm-hmm. And that's being a responsible dominant. But, you know, the example I gave before was just being a dick. To be y'all perfectly sane and honest. Yep. And as someone who's not valuing the, the gift that they were given. Um, so let's move on into submission unless you have anything else to mention as far as dominance. No, that works. So, so, so as a submissive, uh, you gave three definitions for dominance. So let's give a couple for submission. Uh, we have one who gives over their rights, their desires, and themselves to another as a gift from Urban Dictionary. 
we have willing to obey someone else, which is a little bit closer to where I land on it. Um, but again, there's nuance here. There's mm -hmm. there's no one zero condition that's going to work for everyone. Every relationship you enter into is individual. And the same is true for your DS relationships. But the key is that you are, as a submissive, you're giving some of your power to someone else. That's the key part. You're agreeing to uh, submit to the, someone else's influence and someone else's control. But just as it can be given, we've already said it can be taken away if you find that that relationship is not healthy for you. Uh, everything that I work toward as a dominant is for the health of my submissive and for the enjoyment of us as a couple. <clears throat> Semiotic relationship. It's very yeah. young, and um, the dominant submissive kind of. They feed off of each other to meet each other's needs. Mm -hmm. I have a desire to exert control. My submissive has a desire to have that control exerted. Our needs are both met by the relationship that we have formed. Mm -hmm. And that's the key with any relationship we form, especially with DS, because it can get personal, it can get intimate, it can get dangerous if done poorly. It's you're striving to meet your needs as well as your partner's needs. So it's very important for a submissive to have trust in their dominant, um, to get to know them, to know them, to even be able to give their submission to them. Um, to me, like even though I am a dominant, I do identify as a dominant and identify as a sadist. But to me, the submissives are the ones that have they not just to me, they have the most power, but to me, submissives are the most badass group out there. Yes, I'd like to think that us dom sadist people are badasses and we are to a degree, but submission is long enough to say yes to some of the things we do and to hold that and relish it, uh, whether it's pain-based, whether it's humiliation-based, whether it's centered deprivation or an oversensitization to be or able even to. just giving up your time yes. and your your rights. I mean, your, your rights to say, no, I'm not going to bed at 5 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed at 10.30 p.m., or to make the decision that, you know, I'm going to go out of town this weekend or I'm not going to see my sir on such and such day because I have this right not to do it if I don't want to. It takes a lot of strength to give over that power. And it takes a lot of strength to give over the power with the understanding that it is for your good. Mm -hmm. Um and, and, and to be at peace with the fact that you've done that. That takes a hell of a lot of strength. And it is admirable. Very admirable. And, and not to get, get anything, like get it wrong, like, you know, as a dominant, you have a lot of responsibility as well. It's not just, I feel like we harped on the kind of more negative, well, not really negative, but you know, 
as a dominant, you have a lot of responsibility because not only are you trying to do the best for your life, you're doing, you now have the responsibility of another person, like another whole person. There is a lot of weight that comes on you when you agree to that type of relationship. Because you're going to lead them and guide them and protect them. And this is a situation where you must meet your own needs in order to meet their needs. Because as, everyone, as wise people will tell you, you cannot, you cannot feed from an empty well. And you cannot draw from an empty well. You can't help someone else if you're unwell yourself. And so it's a lot of responsibility to make sure that your life is balanced and make sure your life is well. So that you can, in a healthy way, exert that dominance, exert that power and control and help guide your submissive into a healthy spot and a happy relationship for the two of you. Yeah. So, so now I think we should go into talking about the master-slave dynamic. And that's kind of a continuation of the dominant submissive. It's just, I'd say, step on a, a level we're taking a step up, brother. brother. Um, as a like, if you're going into a master, a master is a person who you say own things, or you know you, what you, you define as. Take it, you take more ownership as a master than you would as a dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, Within a master-slave relationship, you have not only that giving over of a little bit of power that the submissive does, but the the master's taking on more of that power and mm-hmm. more of a direct influence in the now not submissive, but slave's life. Mm-hmm. So, generally... When you enter into a master-slave or mistress-slave relationship, you are, the slave is giving up their rights. I mean, you know, like within a DS relationship, it's more so you're giving up some rights or some control uh, to a degree. But when you start entering into a type like master slave, mistress slave type relationship. Generally, you've given up all rights except for the ones that that you carved out for yourself at the very beginning before you sign any kind of contract to say that you're going into this type relationship. And so, any rights that you have after that point, or any limits, or anything like that after that point are all at the yeah at the discretion of the master or the mistress. Would you say that a lot um oftentimes the master slave relationship is a continuation of that dominant or rather an evolution of that dominant submission relationship? Yeah I feel like I've seen a couple people who've gone straight to kind of master slave or mistress relationships. But I feel like the kind of I feel like probably the best way to get to that is to start as a dominant submissive relationship because you know you're getting to know the person on one level and then 
as your relationship evolves, then you can evolve into something more concrete. And if you start as a BS relationship, then you kind of know the decision making of that dominant. Um, and you know, you will get to know if they're capable of, you know, leading you in all things, like truly leading you in all things. Because once you get to like the master slave level, it is it's tough if you find yourself in a situation where you fundamentally disagree with mm-hmm. your master and the two of you haven't taken the time to work out uh, your philosophies and to make sure that you are compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things about uh, the dynamics I'm exploring is that I'm able to take a considering approach and then at the next level I can begin to more practically train the person that I'm with so that um, during this first period I'm able to see okay this is where you are and over the next year I can begin to take a little bit more of that directive approach and say okay this is where I need us to go and this is how we're going to go and then if it evolves again, then we'll have a much more solid framework to work with if we get to a level of permanence in that. Mm-hmm. And um, slavery is not something to take lightly um, or not a gift to be given lightly. Same as submission. Um, but it's still beautiful um, to allow someone to have that kind of influence over you or, you know, just to, to have that level of trust in someone to say, hey, I know that you are going to protect me. You're going to care for me. You're going to strive. You're going to help me strive to get to better, to better myself, to sharpen my saw daily, um, to be the best version of me that I can be. Um, if you're allowing, if you're saying to someone that I trust you to do that, that is not something to be taken lightly, and it's like really a treasure. It, from the from the master mistress perspective, it's it's a treasure. It's a I'm not even sure if I have a word great enough to describe it. It's, it's, a, it's a high up to be given that responsibility and that trust mm-hmm. for someone to give their totality of their decision-making process to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know that you have earned it. It's because it's a hell of an investment, and so you want to be able to honor that investment. And along with that, master-slave, is TPE, which stands for Total Power Exchange. Now, would you consider that different from master-slave, or is that more of the condition under which master-slave works? TPE is kind of under the condition, maybe. Um, I'm not sure that they're... I feel like the people with whom we talked to discuss TPE, I feel like they were in the master-slave relationship mm-hmm. and they were describing their relationship. Yeah. So when you think of TPE, 
understand that that's really what's happening in the master-slave relationship, that you are nearby or that you may be experiencing. Total power exchanges where you have given over that power um, after the initial negotiation is complete. Your decisions are done. Um, and like I mentioned in, you know, I believe I mentioned in the first episode, and I've kind of been in, well, not kind of, I've been in a TP relationship, a mistress-slave relationship, and I mean, it's all-encompassing, I guess that's what I would say. Um, it's beautiful, like, the power exchange itself, in general to me, like, even outside of per se TPE, it's just beautiful. Like there is nothing, there's no kink or fetish that's gonna get me off more than just the power exchange itself. Like just to think about someone giving, someone taking, you know, that kind of thing is what really excites me. I mean you're all adults, so you know we're gonna talk about it. That, that excites me. Um, as the as the mistress, I'm just gonna go based on my experience. Uh, it didn't get hard sometimes. But you have to like, you gotta check your feelings too. Like if you're in control of not only yourself but another person, you know, a lot of times you have to check your feelings and your thoughts because. You have to make sure that you're doing what's best for both of you, not just you. Um, and that within itself takes a lot of maturity, um, a lot of thoughts, a lot of purposeful action, a lot of meditation, I would say. TPE is not something I'm currently experiencing. It's also not something I necessarily want to experience. Uh, I'm watching a submissive grow, um, but I don't necessarily want to take that level of control over anyone's life. Um, in my vanilla life, I exert a significant amount of control over a significant amount of people. Um, I like the opportunity to hone and control and help nourish in certain ways, but also allow people to thrive, or my, my partner to thrive in the way that's best for her. And so I like providing some parameters and then allowing her to work within those parameters freely. And so that's more my style, the high protocol and the, the pomp and circumstance that can be involved in that. It's not something you just the operative word, can because yeah. I was going to say, Gray, that is not synonymous with TPE. Yeah, that's right. It can. <laughs> yes. It can be. Right. It's not everything, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, at this point, we want to look at our kink in segment. And today we are looking at kink in the news. This, this comes from happyful.com. And the headline is, could kink shame be affecting your relationship? This is a fairly new one. This was published September 27, 2019. And we are discussing the idea that your attitudes toward 
pink might be harming the potential within your relationship. Say I met you out in the vanilla world, right? And perhaps we met on Tinder, maybe, or I don't know what these kids are using these days. What else kind of sites? And I said kids, and yeah, like I'm not a match. Match, okay, Cupid. So I met you on one of these apps, and we we start gelling. And but so now I feel like I should tell you about a little bit of what I'm into, like a fetish I have. Well, if I've heard you say, oh, I, like, perhaps we watch Fifty Shades of Grey together. And the whole time you're giving this commentary about, oh, why would she be into this? Oh, why does he do that? Blah, 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 blah. I would never like this. Well, I do not feel comfortable telling you about my kink because I would worry that you would shame me as well. Unkinking for me seems to come from um, this reticence that we have in Western society to talk about sex and to mm-hmm. talk about what we find pleasurable. And because mm-hmm. we've had such strong taboos on that subject, it's made it more difficult to form those connections that meet our needs. Now it's already difficult to find a single person to meet all of your needs, but if you limit things that you're able to talk about and seriously discuss, then that further exacerbates that problem. It makes it a lot more difficult to find someone to connect with you in a way that matters to you. And within like BDSM, we have this saying, your kink is not my kink. And that is perfectly okay. But what is not okay is talking down on someone's kink or their fetishes, fetish and this and that, just because you don't like it. You don't have to like what everyone else likes. Absolutely, I absolutely don't want you to like everything that I like. I need something special and unique to me, and that's okay. It's perfectly okay. But we need to be inclusive, tolerant, at least, at the very, at the very minimum, you know, be tolerant and respectful of each other's thoughts, feelings, emotions. The rules that we follow regarding uh, religion uh, are the kind of rules that I like. I would like for us to have within kink, which is that if you can't accept it, all the be uh, all the better, and and relish in it, all the better. Uh, but if you can't appreciate it, then at least appreciate that. The person you're talking to may be passionate about that and be tolerant and accepting of that, uh, even if you don't take the same level of joy in it. Mm-hmm. So that has been our Geek and Segment. Yay! Okay. All right. So, topic wrap up. Again, we are opening up the idea, we're opening up the door for these relationship types. So, for the next uh, couple of episodes, we're going to discuss a little bit deeper the idea of DDLG, owner pet, dominant submission, master slave, and TPE. And after that, we'll get some more. So if you have any questions about anything that we went over today, please feel free to send us an email at beyondthevanillabean at gmail.com. Also connect with us on uh, FetLife at Beyond 
Vanilla Bean. That's B-Y-O-N-D, Vanilla Bean. Uh, the same is true for not Beyond Vanilla on Instagram. And I believe Beyond Vanilla Bean on Kick. Sorry, Twitter. <laughs> I don't have a kick. I don't have a tune. Kick is right now, guys. Uh, actually, if I'm on this ASMR, it might be dead by that time. Yeah. And that, that's on my mind. <laughs> yeah. You um, can also reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Look for Beyond Vanilla Bean. Beyond Vanilla. Uh, we are closing out the show, so quick reminder. If you like the music, uh, that is Mama Honey a local Memphis group. You can find them at mamahoneymemphis.com and we will see you beyond the vanilla bean. Bye!